Good evening. Today is Wednesday, March 30th, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter is the relationship chapters, chapters 8, 9, and 10 in the big book. And our speaker tonight is Haley R. Thank you, Haley. Hey, thank you, Daisy. My name is Haley R. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Georgia, and I wore my Easy Does It sweatshirt tonight in honor of, um, you know, our little sayings at the end of the family afterwards. But um, I'm going to do chapter 10 to employers, but I wanted to um, just start by um, sharing some, some quick photos. Let's see. All right. Just to give you um, a general idea about me and what makes me a compulsive overeater. So the pictures you see here, it's when I was around eight and 12 years old. Um, it was, I'm sorry. Okay. Sorry. Husband's walking in the room. Okay. So this was me when I was around eight to 12 years old. This is when I first realized that, um, you know, I was bigger. I remember looking um, at, at ballet. I remember looking over and seeing I was thicker than the other girls and thinking that's strange, not really connecting our family dysfunction of overeating in general with, with that and thinking everybody else was a little strange, not me. So this is the next decade. So this is my 20s. I call this my fad diet era. Um, up and down, up and down was the name of the game. And this decade, this was the most... Um, difference in weight I have ever, ever experienced. So you've got me, um, relatively thin, a healthy body weight. And then in the middle, um, that was the heaviest I've ever weighed, not pregnant. So, and then on the right, you see the yo-yoing going, um, up and down here. Um, this is me on my wedding day. I weighed 185 pounds. It was sheer hell getting to that weight and the dress almost didn't zip, but it, it did. Um, the sad part about that was I was more stressed and worried about getting that dress zipped than I was, you know, excited about, um, marrying my current husband. So the next picture is me after I gave birth to my daughter, uh, probably six to nine months afterwards. Um, I gained a lot of weight with her again, real deep into the food. It was when she was around a year or two year, a year or two that I first came into the rooms of OA at a local meeting. That was about nine years ago now. And, um, discovered that, Hey, there are people like me, you know, my first meeting, I, I really felt at home. Um, however, that did not keep me from continuing down my diet, um, train, this, this is when I was in my thirties. And so now I was more, um, I realized that the fad diets didn't always work. I was trying to figure out the why, the why and what I can do. And I look at thin people and think, okay, well, how can I eat like that? How can I leave half of my dinner on the plate? Um, and I didn't figure it out, of course. So pink dress is me before, right before I got pregnant with my son. Blue dress is me when he was about a year old. And these you know, this last picture was, um, these were my darkest days. Um, they were, they were very much in the food. The, the ease and comfort was so elusive that I couldn't attain it at this point. It was hard to get one or two days 
um, without my binge foods. So it got pretty bad. So here's me today, the picture on, well, the picture on the left, that was probably about, I don't know, a month ago or so now. I weighed the same amount on that day that I did on my wedding day. The difference here is that um, I went to the school fundraiser feeling peaceful and I didn't struggle to get there. You know, it wasn't um, the constant stress and fighting the obsessive thoughts about eating and then restricting and you know, it was none of that. This was maybe four weeks, five weeks recovered there. So it's pretty recent. And the bingo picture that, you know, the sweats and the, the sweatshirt and the leggings, you know, it's fine. But I, what I wanted to show you here is that this is me with my family and I paid attention to bingo. I didn't win anything, but I was able to take my committed in abstinence snack and not be pissed about it. I wasn't mad. I wasn't mad about it. And so that. That in and of itself is the miracle for me. Um, so I will get right into what I wanted to share on because I'm hoping I can keep it within my time slot. So chapters eight, nine, eight, nine and 10 all address the people surrounding um, those of us who are compulsive overeaters, whether it's a spouse, significant other, family, employer, and they're basically giving suggestions on how to help us. You know, it's, it's suggestions on what to do to live with an addict. Um, I chose to do uh, two employers, which is chapter 10, um, and try to see it from the perspective of someone who is not totally vested in me emotionally. My spouse and my family, um, they're, they're pretty emotionally vested in me. My employer, maybe not so much. So that interested me also because after I read it, I saw myself in these words. It's um, giving the people around us a perspective, but seeing me and my behavior from a different angle um, was, was very helpful. It also reminded me of how I was sponsored and therefore how I sponsor. So in the beginning of chapter 10, um, this boss gives examples of three people who have completed suicide as it results, as it, as it relates to their disease and their work. And we know from the doctor's opinion on page XXVI, it says that there are many situations which arise out of the phenomenon of craving, which causes people to make the supreme sacrifice rather than continue to fight. Um, and, you know, these three people made that supreme sacrifice. The employer this is in the middle of page 137, um, goes on to say that these three people were lost because he didn't understand the disease of alcoholism. And he also says the irony is, is that he also became alcoholic. So going on, he says, um, and but for the intervention of an understanding person, I might have followed in their footsteps. As that relates to me, I think um, I call my higher power God. And I always think, well, there, there but for the grace of God goes me. There, there I am. You know, um, that's part of what makes me grateful to have the recovery that I have. When I think about my current employer and my past employers, um, a lot of times I think about how much time I wasted, how much time I squandered, how detached I might have been at times. What was my performance like when I was in that blue dress? It was not optimal. I can tell you that, that, you know, I was 
really focused on how I was going to get my binge foods, not how I needed to help people um, as part of my job. Um, I, I liken my performance to being middle of the road, kind of like my program was at the time. You know, I, I wasn't all in. And so that had to be difficult for my employer to, to see, but also um, it, it just wasn't working, wasn't working for me. So if we move on to page 139, um, the end of the second paragraph, I see a picture of how employers may feel, feel about, look, or consider addicts in general. It says, when dealing with an alcoholic, there may be a natural annoyance that a person could be so weak, stupid, and irresponsible. That's kind of strong language. Um, so for me, if I flip this from the employer and put it on myself, that basically describes how I felt about myself when I was really deep in the food. Um, you know, I felt weak. It made me feel irresponsible. Why can't I do something about this? Further on, it, it goes to say that a person can be brilliant, fast thinking, imaginative, and likable. And when sober, for me, not fogged out on food, can work hard and get things done. That also describes me. So where, where does this, where does all of this play a part? Where does this hit home for me? And I think at the top of page 140, he says, um, at the end of the first paragraph, it says, is he worth salvaging? And um, if I'm thinking of myself now as the addict and not the employer, am I worth salvaging? And if I say yes, um, the book says, okay, yes, then keep going. You might find the following suggestions helpful. So at this point, I'm turning this inward, you know, going forward, I'm turning this inward on myself and I'm thinking, am I worth salvaging? And, you know, the next paragraph, it basically I'm paraphrasing. It says, can you discard the feeling that you are dealing only with habit, with stubbornness or a weak will? That's 10. Thank you. Okay. So for me, this is where 90, this is 99% desperation because I've tried it through habit. I've tried it being stubborn and I've tried it with, you know, my own willpower and I can't do it. 1% of that needs to be hope. All I have to say is yes and start baby stepping my way forward. And the, you know, the next part of this chapter is telling us, giving us an idea of how to be willing and what to do. Um, and what to do. So middle of 141, it says that there are many people who want to stop and with them, you can go far. But it also says, if you are sure the person does not want to stop, they may as well be discharged. The sooner, the better. Um, you are not doing them a favor by keeping them on. For me, this sounds a lot like when, when I was trying to decide how willing I was to work with my sponsor um, and was I willing to go to any lengths? Was I willing to do the things that she was asking me to do? Was I desperate enough to be ready? And sometimes I find that before, well, sometimes I think people find that they are trying to do things themselves. And if we think there's another way, if I thought there was another way, it would be my sponsor's almost responsibility to tell me 
um, to, to tell me so, to tell me that, you know, I don't, I may not see the willingness. I may not, you know, you're not, you're, we're trying to negotiate here that if she was to keep me, that would be robbing me of the opportunity to hit my bottom or maybe to find a sponsor that would be better for me. Um, so at the top of 142, it says a firm attitude at this point has helped many of us. Um, I heard a, a fellow say that sometimes he needed a two by four to the head. And um, yeah, that was kind of me. I was a little stubborn. Um, so a firm attitude helped me greatly. So when I hear this, what I hear as a sponsee and as a sponsor is I hear non-negotiables. For me, I needed those. I needed someone to make the suggestion and then tell me, you don't have to do any of this. You don't have to do it this way, but this is all I have to give, right? This is how I became recovered. And this is how I'm going to sponsor because this is all that I know. Um, so the suggestions turn into things that I am willing to do because I have so much desperation and a little bit of hope. Um, middle of the same paragraph, it says, say you believe they are great, a gravely ill person. And with this qualification being gravely, perhaps being fatally ill, do they want to get well? So this goes back to a step one for me. Am I ill? It, it's very, I do, I want to get better or not. And, and this was life or death for me keep going. They say, well, they take every necessary step, submit to anything to get well, to stop drinking or eating compulsively forever. That's any links. You know, when people talk about going to any links, this is what they're talking about. Every necessary step. It goes on to say a person should be thoroughly probed on these points. Be satisfied they are not deceiving themselves or you. This sounds a lot like the pre-step work that I did when I was sponsored. And the thing, the thing here is I can, whatever comes out of my mouth can be true. It might be false. It might be false. But the only person who really knows that is me. So I've capitalized here themselves. They are not deceiving themselves because that rigorous honesty with yourself. Um, is what's, is what's important. It's, it's important to be honest with your sponsor as well, but you can't do that unless you're rigorously honest um, with yourself. Has someone tried everything and are resigned to being totally powerless? Does someone believe after some rest and work, they will be able to get away with a few compulsive bites now and then? Um, it goes on to say, if they still think they can ever drink again, even beer, they may as well be discharged. Beer equals yellow foods for me. Beer is yellow foods. So um, that looked like gluten-free pizza crust. Pizza is pizza, right? Um, fried foods. I like them, but I don't like them as much as I like my red foods, right? So, you know, I, I can play around with those in my wine, you know, for it, it was just stuff that I was playing around with. Um, but for me, this was a middle of the road solution. And we know from the chapter, there is a solution that there is no middle of the road solution. Um, at the end of the same paragraph on page 142, it says either you are dealing with a person who can and will get well, or you are not. 
I really like this chapter. It's very straightforward and direct. That's my, that's my jam. So this is very black and white. And really, these things can only be determined inside ourselves when we have rigorous honesty. I know I'm blowing through this fast, so bear with me. All right, the next part um, sounds a lot like step work. At the end of the page, um, going on to page 143, uh, this sounds a lot like beginning the steps. After satisfying yourself that I want to recover and go to any extreme to do so, a definite course of action is suggested. It doesn't say mild. It doesn't say easy. It doesn't say even developing. It says a definite course of action. And definite, definite is defined as free of all ambiguity, uncertainty, or obscurity. It is unquestionable and decided. So these are the steps as they are written. This, these aren't up for debate. They are what they are. Continuing to go to the top of 143. This talks about physical treatment. A certain amount of physical treatment is desirable. This coming right after determining a person is ready to work the step. So what I hear, um, you know, when people say, okay, I need you to have three days of abstinence or two days of abs or some level of abstinence before we start working the steps, this is where you have your evidence of why. So its object is to thoroughly clear the mind and body of the effects of alcohol or food. This seldom takes long, nor is very expensive. Um, when I think about expensive, uh, I saw a nutritionist. Did I have to sacrifice somewhere in our budget to make that work? I did. But it also tells me in the same chapter that it is better for a person to feel fully responsible when it comes to the cost of treatment. So while it may have cost me more, this is life or death. This was life or death for me. So how much is my life worth to get a good meal plan that works for me? Um, okay, so going down the middle of page 143, transformation of thought and attitude. We all had to place recovery above everything for without recovery, we would have lost both home and business. And we know Next there's two much minutes. Thank you. Sorry. That's okay. We know there's much more to lose than just our home and business. Um, this is very difficult. This means I put program before some of the things I enjoy doing. Um, you know, it's God, family, program, and work. I have to take care of my responsibilities. But if I'm working the steps, that free time means I'm working. I'm working my steps. Um, okay, so I'm trying to skip through some of this because it's running a little long. Okay, in the middle of page 144, it says the person must decide for themselves as these are mere suggestions. When a person is presented with the literature and the work, the non-negotiables, the suggestions from a sponsor, we know the big book says here that it is best that no one tell them they must abide by its suggestions. So again, when I'm, you know, when I was sponsored, they were, they were suggestions, but they were also non-negotiables to having her sponsor me. And I wanted what she had. So I knew I had to do what she was doing. Um, finally, uh, the chapter, how it works. At the top of page 63, it tells us we have a new employer being all powerful or higher power provided what we needed if we kept close to them and performed their work well. So for me, when I keep close to God and perform his work well, 
outside of work, if we're going back to employers, if I do that outside of work, people around me, including my employer, are going to benefit from me. And at the very end of the chapter, um, he talks about having a small business um, and how you know, their productivity, basically it's on page 150. He says they have a new attitude and they have been saved from a living death. They have increased their That's productivity. Time. Thank you. They have a better attitude, compassion for others, an ability to be honest and show up with a clear head most days. And, you know, some days I don't show up like that. And on the days I don't, I know I have a plan of action um, that can help me get me there. And with that, I pass. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you so much for sharing, Haley. Wonderful. We'll now open the meeting for questions or for three-minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or star nine if you're on the phone and the Zoom host will call the raised hands in order and ask you to unmute when it's your turn. Would the timekeeper please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when time is up. If the speaker is asked a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. Francesca, you can unmute. We can't hear you. Oh, yeah, I started. And then it came up again. <laughs> um, hi, everyone. I'm Francesca. Very grateful. Uh, recovering compulsive overeater and bulimic. Haley, that was so amazing. That was just like, I'm so grateful this is recorded. And that was just so amazing. Um, from the get-go that you said, you know, this is giving people like me an opportunity to, to see how people who are not emotionally invested in me. And that's so huge. And I heard someone say in a meeting the other day, um, compassion brings me, um, removes the distance I have between people. Like I'm able, so just sort of seeing it, I, I just really love that. Something that um, I love how you um, just were so in the book and it's so, and that was so helpful for me to like, I don't have to have the answers. I don't know what I want clearly. Cause I thought I wanted to eat whatever I want and, you know, not get fat. That's all I thought I wanted out of life. So I don't have to know. And, you know, I, I shouldn't know my employer knows. So I can go to these chapters. I can go, you know, I can say what is being told to me. And if I'm not willing to, then that's my ego and that's fear because I have to look at a sponsee as non emotionally attached, because if I let my emotions get involved, it's like, it's life and death. And I love this, that you emphasize life and death. I had been in OA for two years, picking up the food every one or two months. And um, it's now been like 60 something days. I came to this meeting on my first day of abstinence and I heard that hospitalization, like I told myself every day, you're in the ICU fighting for your life. And, you know, um, and so I tell that to everyone, like it has to be that. Um, something I love that you said on page 140, um, should he have the same consideration as other alien employees? Is he worth salvaging? And that really hit me. It's like, if I'm in the food, I am blocking myself from humanity. Saying like, oh, is he worth salvaging? You should never say that about someone. But it's like, you're not saying about that. You're saying that about the disease. And though also like recognizing that like, okay, I'm like you said, don't rob people of their bottoms and recognize who I'm not the employer. I'm not the higher power. 
you know, and just don't like, like burn my energy foolishly, you know, on trying to like convince someone. Um, and I just, yeah, I just really like love the way, you know, it's funny. Cause you said like, I love this. It's super direct. It's super to the point, but like the energy well, and the energy I get from you is like very like calm and gentle and nice. So it's like, you don't have to be like, you know, like you're just giving them the information and what they want to do with it is their business. And then that probably allows you, well, I would think me to be more like lighter because I'm not trying to convince people of something like I've done with my family members who aren't in these rooms. And I'm like, well, they should be. That's Why? time. Um, anyways, thank you, Liz, for your service. Thank you, everyone. Um, thank you so much, Haley. Just thank you. Chaya, go ahead and unmute. Thanks. Hi, everybody. My name is Chaya P. I'm very grateful. Com recovered compulsive overeater, bulimic and restrictor. I live in Denver, Colorado. And Haley, you're in the right up front and center in my little Brady Bunch squares here. So um, um, I can thank you really straight on. Um, thank you so, 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 so much. Um, I relate a lot. Welcome to anyone who's new. I haven't been to this meeting in a long time. Um, I forgot about it um, on Wednesday nights that there's a great OA meeting. And so I wanted to be here tonight and wonderful to hear you. And but welcome to anyone who's new. You really belong. Um, if you want to belong, you get to belong. Um, I related a lot. I related a lot to um, your being sponsored experience. I think because we share a sponsor and um, I think that's where we get our spirit of compassion from um, in terms of working with people. Um, and I really, really loved when you were talking about like, they gotta, we gotta get honest with ourselves. You know, and I feel like I have that conversation a lot with the pre-sponsorship stuff I do with people. I guess Kim G I think says they come in by the 1000s and go out by, by the 999s. Man, is that true? Wow. It is amazing how many people I have began to work with over the years and even just over the last year. And like, I have two recovered sponsees and one that's on step 11. And um, that's way less than the amount of people that I've started working with. And so I just, it's like, I'm just sharing what I've been given and I'm so grateful for what I've been given and there are really clear directions. So and I was a, my sponsor tells me I was a yes ma'am girl, not a yeah but girl. And I say that that's like a really good place to be is yes ma'am, yes ma'am, yes, ma whatever you say. I don't think I said yes ma'am. I actually said, I'll do whatever you tell me except change my religion. That's what she said. I said, and she said, good news, you don't have to change your religion. Um, and I also, um, so I really relate to like, I, I say to people, you know, with that pre stuff, I'll be like, you got to get really honest with yourself because I don't know what you're red foods and yellow foods are. I mean, I can give a general cause there's like a general and things that tend to be um, culprits, but I don't know what they are. Only you can do that. It's self-diagnosis and which takes a lot of willingness to be honest. Um, as honest as I can be for what I can see right now, you know, cause I think we see more and more as we go along. Um, but also in the, and I love how you covered this chapter like really, really masterfully. Um, and I was looking for a part that you talked about, but then I got here where I just, I love this part. It's one of my favorite parts where it talks about, you know, that we're speaking about very serious matters, but we're not a glum lot. 
you know, that's time. Uh, thanks. That's it. Thanks for letting me share. Melissa, go ahead and unmute. Hey, thank you. Thanks so much. I'm going to just start my timer. Thanks, Haley. It was really awesome to hear you and to be, um, you know, to have an opportunity to work with you and just uh, do this deal with you. Um, I love this chapter and I love how you really related it right into sponsorship work that um, this idea of, you know, being unaffected like by by the person that you're working with um not having a huge investment and although it's not really entirely true because when you're right part of a human race my experience and especially when you start to work with people um and you identify with one another you start to share the story you hear their pain it's a human, uh, for me, it's like a human condition. My heart starts like wanting to attach to this person and, and like help them, help them, help them. And yet I love the directions the book gives me because the best help I can give is to let people find God, right? And not be, not for one second, mistake myself for being that power. Like we're not it. And, um, and what, you know, um, yeah, what always worked best for me was um, this is what I do. This is what I do. This is what worked. It is the only thing I have to offer because I don't have any other set of experiences than this exact one. And what's beautiful about this huge fellowship is, um, you know, there's a nut for every screw. And so when I recognize the fact that I'm not in charge, I'm powerless to my disease. So I'm powerless to everybody else's for sure. So I cannot be in charge of getting someone well. And that's a huge relief because if they're not gonna find their way with me, and I really do believe in this loving creator who loves addicts like us, I'm not the answer. And it might never be with me, but I don't think that if they don't get it with me or they don't get it with you or they don't get it with this one, doesn't mean they're not gonna get it, right? I believe that I just, I believe in a God that wants us to all recover. I, that's my conception. It's a loving, beautiful power that wants the best for everybody. So if I'm not it, great, you know? And I know from my own experience, I had to negotiate or attempt to negotiate a lot. And what really laid down the terms of the deal was this disease. And this disease takes no negotiating. It demands, you know, my experience, it demanded fidelity. It demanded that I bow down and worship it. And so the solution has to be bigger than that. And thanks so much for sharing. It was really an awesome, whoops, that's my timer. Thanks. Betty, go ahead and unmute. Hi, I'm Betty S., a compulsive eater from Florida, originally from Chicago. Can you hear me? Am I unmuted? Okay. Um, I'm fairly new to this meeting. Um, I'm on day 52 by the grace of God. 
of, of entire abstinence. And Haley, thank you so much for your sharing. I, you know, when I saw those pictures, I thought, oh God, I have those pictures. I have the same pictures up and down, up and down. But you know, I never been in, been in the rooms for many, many years. And I never until now took it, took my disease as deadly serious as I do today. And it's only through the support and the the guidance of number one, my sponsor, who, by the way, she has taught me, she has allowed me to be grow rigorously honest with myself, which I never was. I couldn't be. I couldn't do it. I I, I thought I never even never even wanted to or thought about it. But being rigorously honest with myself and with with God is the most important thing right now for me in order to keep me, uh, for God to keep me abstinent. But so she's allowed me to be responsible for my own recovery, guide me, share her experience, strength, and hope, but not tell me this is what you have to do. This is what she says. This is what the book says. This is what I did. And I love that because I take responsibility then for what I'm going to do. And I agreed in the beginning and I agree every day. I'm willing to go to any length to be recovered. I will do anything and I have done anything um, to be recovered. That's how important it is to me today. I love getting to know new people in the fellowship. Um, I'm trying to put aside my fears and my, um, oh, I don't want to bother people attitude. Um, we're all in this together. I realize that we're all shoulder to shoulder and I need to hear your story. I need to hear what you did. I'm approaching my fifth step, finished my fourth step. And I need to know, you know, I need to know people's experiences. It really helps me to just be more accepting and, and, and more calm and more peace and serenity all the way, all the way through the steps. So um, I'm just really grateful to be here. I love hearing all your shares. Um, it's a great meeting and being on Zoom is wonderful because we're not just talking into the air. You know, people are people are present and um, it really makes the fellowship, makes me feel like the fellowship is really strong and, and we're together. So thanks, thanks for being here for me. I really appreciate it. I hope I can help I can help somebody someday when I sponsor. Thank you, Pass. Thank you, Betty. We'll now stop the recording for unrecorded questions or shares. Would the Zoom host please stop the recording?